are Locked On Wildcats. Your daily podcast on the Arizona Wildcats. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Happy Tuesday, everyone. We're actually recording this when we probably should, Monday night. With John Schuster, I'm Mike Luke. Thanks for making us your first listen. As always, brought to you by Sonos. Again, you might say, Mike, what is Sonos? It's an acronym. Look it up. All right. Time time to talk some Arizona basketball. We, we made fun of ASU in the only manner that we saw fit. And now it's time to look ahead, talk about Arizona. Let's talk about Col- Let's talk a little bit about Colorado here. Colorado, as you correctly pointed out. Oh, by the way, real quick. Mm-hmm. You know what I think is the best case ever for why uh, the Pac-12 is being absolutely slighted for really no reason? Think of it. Th- did you ever think about this? That Michigan got into the NCAA tournament with a 17-14 and 14 record. Yeah, it's ludicrous. And they weren't the last team in. They were the 10 seed. Uh-huh. They were st- the NCAA selection committee was telling you that Michigan is, with, is one of the 36 to 40 best teams in the country. Yeah. Don't look at the record. Mm-hmm. Don't look at what they've done. 17 and 14. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 17 and 14. Mm-hmm. That's three games above 500. Uh huh. Yeah. Coach John Schuster, go on your rant because you're right. Okay. About this. About, about the Schuster, net? About, uh, about, about the sti- all this crap. The statistical. Uh, okay. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've ranted about the Pac 12 a little bit here, and, it, and it's also fascinating. Last four out were some combination of SMU, I think Dayton, uh, Oklahoma might have been in this conversation. I'm missing one. I know the folks out there. You know who wasn't on that list? Colorado. You know who wasn't anywhere near that list? Colorado. Correct. And Colorado won 12 games in its conference Mm -hmm. in a major five conference and wasn't even discussed as a possibility of being in the tournament. I've been baffled by this all year long. I bet you that there were five and six and quad three games. And there is somebody who I talked to today who has a theory, and I think the theory has some validity. I'm not sure Kreese is playing for the tournament, by the way. If if you saw, and and a lot of folks had— Do you believe that picture? Sure. Absolutely. You don't? You don't believe anything about Creesa. You think you don't think Kerr Creesa exists. You can't stand his backstory about being named after Steve Kerr. I don't believe the story. You don't believe he's from Estonia. I do believe now he's from you, I don't doubt that he's from Estonia. Now, now you think his foot's just fine that he stuck a needle in it or something and no, pumped it I up don't like a big that balloon. That picture is legitimate. And, then, no. and then all of a sudden, you know, man, this guy, wow. You don't believe in a headband. You don't. Uh, you don't believe in his three ability to hit three pointers. Man, you're. It's just. It's man, de- you, it's you skepticism pile on. After skepticism you pile on to Kirk Kreese time after time again. So you think Kreese is going to play? I do. When? I don't believe that. In, I don't believe that picture is. Uh, again, I have no inside information mm-hmm. on here. All right. But I don't believe that that picture is true because here's the thing: if that picture is legitimate, mm-hmm. he is not playing. Right. Why in the world would Arizona or any program put that picture out there? Just to tell you that Justin Kukoski is awesome, which we already know? That he has blood vessels in his feet? It's <laughs> a good question. Why fair, in the world that is would a, they put that, that out there? That is a fair there? question because then, then you would wonder whether he was... With as secretive as everybody uh-huh. is about injuries, right. all this and that. So you don't believe that Arizona was secretive about the Pac-12 tournament and the, and the extent of Kerr's injury and whether he was able to play in this tournament? I don't think he's going to play in the tournament, by the way. Okay. Um, 
because that, they were concerned that, that maybe maybe the NCAA tournament committee was going to seed Arizona negatively because they weren't completely healthy. Interesting. Yeah, Interesting. so they kept it quiet throughout the Pac-12 but you know tournament what? There is, once the bracket came out. But, let me ask you this, there is precedence for this, though, but it also worked in Arizona's favor in the past. And that Lauren Woods' injury, when he hurt his back before he did play in the tournament, he still got the number one seed. Now, I think it did help that Arizona beat, I think it was Stanford that that final weekend mm -hmm. without uh, mm -hmm. him and Stanford, I want to say it was a top 10 team. But I think the concern going in wasn't what happens if they beat UCLA, because we talked about this a lot, and this may be overly paranoid, it may not apply either, that we thought Arizona, regardless of what happened in the Pac-12 tournament, was going to be a one seed in the right. South. Okay, but Arizona may have been hedging its bets a little bit and not being upfront about the, the the severity of the Creasa injury after it happened. Uh, because if they had lost to UCLA, remember they hadn't played UCLA yet. If they lose to UCLA, conceivably the tournament committee say, you know what, you just lost one of your five starters, and maybe you you, you don't have a particularly tough uh, strength of schedule. Maybe we'll move you off the one line and into the two line. Whether that was going to happen or not, who knows. But perhaps there's understandable paranoia on the Arizona basketball program's uh, part. But without Creasa, even so, Kyer stepped up nicely. Mm -hmm. uh, they however, can still beat any—listen, oh, you want to yes. have Creasa, they can still beat anybody with Kyer. Yes, they can. Away from yes, and that's, and that's a good thing to have. They, mm -hmm. they, I, I think they need to shore up their defense a little bit, but— it could be just other teams knowing how to play them. Mm -hmm. And in and and in two of those cases, Colorado is pesky and UCLA is really good. Mm -hmm. uh, so maybe they were able to score a little bit more than you would ultimately like. But Arizona was excellent down the stretch in both of those games on the offensive end and uh, got the number one seed and uh, won a Pac-12 tournament in front of its fans to go, I believe, 6-0 and at wow. UNLV. 6-0 mm -hmm. and in Vegas, 5-0. Right. Might have been 5-5-0 five, five and oh in Vegas this year. All right. Now, Bet Online Sportsbook. You might be listening to Bruno out there and saying, what the heck's going on right there? Bruno knew, he, this was a harbinger of the bet online sports, but mm -hmm. Bruno knew that, you know what, this is the type of time that you want to bet on sports. Bet online sportsbooks where you want to do it. And you know what, we were just in Vegas. I didn't bet anything because all I thought about was, you know what? I'm going to get back across the border yeah. and bet online. Let's get on the bet online. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh -huh. Why would I give the casinos money uh -huh. when I could give it to the bet online sportsbook? A more reputable service. So let's take a quick break. Thanks for listening to the Locked On Wildcats podcast. I'm your host, Mike Luke. All right. Arizona then plays UCLA. Um... I was talking with our guy, Matty M, about this. Uh, when I was growing up, and I've told you this story many times, I will tell it again because I think it is uh, apropos for, uh, uh, for what we're talking about. The only team, the only team that Arizona regularly played, and keep in mind, I came in right after the UNLV you know, rivalry or whatever, that I always looked at and I'm like, man, if we play our A game, we still might need a little bit of help was those UCLA teams from probably, what, 91 to 95, 96? Okay. All right. Got a five-year window, maybe okay. slightly more, something like that. Generally, because I thought UCLA had slightly better players, Jim Herrick was a very, very good coach, and um, 
Again, that was pretty much the only reason why. He wasn't Lute Olson good, but it was a very good coach. He wasn't, and he Lute... had slightly better talent. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. That that was yeah. it. Like, and Arizona had really good talent. So the beauty of those rivalries is that, and here's you're really talking about a slim margin here. And, right. I, and I think I think your argument is sound. You look back at some of those UCLA rosters, and they're ridiculous. Right. But in that window, you're talking about a UCLA team that 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 maybe is third-ish right. in the country, right. and an Arizona team that maybe is six-ish Six. right. in the country. So you're talking about two top-heavy teams going at it on a consistent basis, and as a result, those were some great clashes. All right. Um, brief example. Stanford to me. Stanford was awesome. Aw- put some awesome teams out there for, gosh, what, a 15-year period? Mm-hmm. Whenever the Montgomery window was, yeah. it was very good. But I always felt... At its peak, yes. Yes, I always felt, though, that, first of all, no, no coach that came through the Pac-12 during that time was <clears throat> excuse me, was better than Lute. Nobody was. Um, I always felt, though, that Arizona always... There might have been a one-year window in there, but I always felt Arizona had better players. Um you know, maybe a Brevin Knight team had, you know, the Brevin Knight, what, Dion Cross team with uh, the lefty big man, uh, Tim Young, whatever. They might, there might have been a team sprinkled in there that had better players, but I always thought that Arizona general. So I didn't ever fear Stanford. I always felt that UCLA in that window with the old Bannons and the McCoys and all of them, that that was a little bit different. But there is nothing that replaces Arizona, UCLA, both being good and both being stable. <clears throat> And not the crap that we saw like four years ago with Sean Miller and then Steve Alford, who, yes, Lonzo Ball is awesome, but you also know that Steve Alford's a crap coach. So, you know, Arizona right now, along with UCLA, I think for the next 10 years, as long as these two coaches stay there, you could be looking at something like we saw in the early to mid-90s. Yeah, yeah, and and and, and, and it was... Tommy Lloyd in an interview, I can't remember who it was specifically. I'm sure he said this on more than one occasion. Uh, if he did, he'd probably say it again. Very, absolutely. That the conference is better when Arizona and UCLA are good. Mm-hmm. And the conference is better when UCLA and Arizona are really right. good. Those are games that bring national attention to the league. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, the and, and hopefully... People who happen to be watching college basketball or maybe tuned it in for the first time decided to watch the Pac-12 championship broadcast and notice that, holy crap, they play some good ball on the West Coast. Right. You know, you've been bombarded with the awesomeness of the SEC and the immortality of a really marginal ACC. And, you know, what's going on in the incredible nine-bid Big Ten. Which is essentially an NBA which is essentially the NBA they play Eastern off. Conference, right? Yes. <laughs> yes, and and then all of a sudden it's kind of like, wait, there's there's a there's a team called Arizona and a team called UCLA, and they're really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, to, wait, I wasn't told that. Right. Though, and I know when. I, and I know it's weird to say that because we've known for a while that Arizona's the number one seed. And every broadcaster who comes into Arizona and watches Arizona play, it, it, in essence, this year has said, holy crap, right. Arizona's really good. Right. And UCLA was a Final Four team with a sizable pedigree as well. But 
it still feels like there's a little bit of frustration out there when you see the SEC get the number of teams. The Big Ten get the number of teams that it did just nine seems teams. ludicrous. Why only nine? I know, right. And the ACC gets a bunch, too. Right. This has a lot to do with a, with a convoluted rant uh, regarding net that I don't know is something to get into at this point. Maybe no, it's what? for let's a get, later time. In, no, let's get into it now, but I'll tell you what. As we always talk about, we need we get to the reads at the right time with precision, with accuracy. And there's a reason why here. Get upside. Now, might be saying, Mike, you just talked about get upside last yesterday. Get used to it. I'm going to bring it up again. There's a reason why. Gas prices, high. Save yourself some money. Get the get upside app. Put in score for college? Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, score for college. Save yourself some money. It's 25 cents per gallon. That goes a long way these days when gas prices are $9,837 <laughs> per gallon. You think I'm kidding. We might not be that far off. Get Upside app. Get the app. Score. Welcome back to the Locked On Wildcats podcast. John Schuster, you were going to rant about the net, and I'm going to agree with you. I also have to let Bruno in from pissing. Go. Here's the statistical analysis uh, uh, anomaly that I think is taking place with net. And uh, a lot of folks by now, you're more than familiar with these uh, with the multitude of statistical algorithms that are designed to try to figure out ways to nerds compare good the best basketball teams to be able to make the field in the NCAA tournament and they have uh in they they have things called quads so if you're in a quad if you're playing a quad one game it tends to benefit you generally speaking but here's what I think happens with this model and why you're seeing top heavy conferences and other conferences like again I think the Pac-12 which I think is at least one bid short mm-hmm. uh that uh, and and I think every team in the Pac-12, other than Arizona, was seeded more unfavorably than they ultimately deserved, which is of course only two other teams right. because the Pac-12 didn't get a bunch of teams in the tournament. So UCLA has no business being a four. SC does shouldn't be a seven. But what I think is in essence happening is that you have there is fairly early on a love affair with specific conferences. How that algorithm comes to that interpretation, I'm not entirely sure, but. The conference likes teams in the ACC for sake of argument based on what we saw in the tournament this year. This is just a general, these are just general examples. Like the ACC, you like the Big Ten, you like the Big 12, you like the SEC. On the other end, you're having a hard time finding good quad one potential matchups with other conferences, including most notably the Pac-10. So what happens? So you have a bunch of teams in the Big Ten who are constantly playing quad one games against other teams that the system likes in the Big Ten. Same happens with the SEC, same happens with the ACC. So these teams have more opportunities to play in what are perceived as higher caliber basketball games. Meanwhile, because a conference this year, like the Pac-10, was not liked, you have much fewer opportunities for a team like Arizona to play what are perceived as quad one wins, which would only be against teams like UCLA and right. USC. Right. Uh, so, as a result, a lesser team, uh, a, a team that's trying to work its way off the bubble, an Oregon, a Colorado, doesn't have the same opportunities. When they play Washington State, it's not the same as a Big Ten team playing a, a, a middle-of-the-road conference team over there that is, in essence about the same in overall talent. 
So those conferences benefit from an early upside in regards to what is perceived as good quad one, and the other conferences are penalized for that. And as a result, you get this separation. So it feeds into, well, we think the Big Ten's a really good league because there's a bunch of quad one games. Well, there's a bunch of quad one games because everybody thinks the Big Ten is good. So it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Same with the SEC, same with the ACC, same with the Big 12. And other conferences uh, ultimately get hurt as a result of this. And this year, the Pac-12 was one of those conferences uh, that, that, that got injured. Um, and, and, and so I would like to see, as per the usual, one of two things happen. One, for the committee, actually watch some bleeping basketball games, Correct. will you? Just, just be, because it's, it, and I get that they have other jobs, and, and this is more a prestige thing than everything else, but I'm a little suspicious about and skeptical about how much time they actually put into this. They rely on Joe Lenardi and, to a lesser degree, Jerry Palm, and then they love Ken Palm. Mm-hmm. I don't have anything against Ken Palm. I think Ken, 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 Ken Palm is a statistical... I'll Genius. tell you what, we're up against we're up against a hard break right here. Let's um let's take a break. We'll be back with you tomorrow. We're gonna keep going on about this, all of this. You, you wanna hear what we have to say.